What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of the Default Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, week one's in the books. It was definitely an exciting one. Uh, started off with a great game on Thursday night, ended with a crazy Monday night football game. Uh, just happy that the NFL is finally back and ready to kind of recap the week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought it was a great first week of football. It was just great to see um, every team back playing. And yeah, I mean, started off with a great game on Thursday, ended off with an even better game on Monday. So can't wait to see what uh, week two has in store for us. Yeah, hopefully week two definitely has um, almost just as much. I mean, I, I think it's kind of greedy to ask for more, you know what I mean? But we'll start, we're, we're going to recap a bunch of these games and kind of group them together on similar things that we, we saw. I guess we're going to start with the biggest surprises of the week. And I think probably one that nobody saw coming at all. I guess the biggest blowout of the week, the New Orleans Saints in um, the Jaguars' home stadium. It was a hurricane game for the New Orleans Saints. They went 38-3 over the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns. Didn't even throw for like 150 yards in that game. But Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, obviously Rodgers all offseason, it was a question of, oh, will he be back in Green Bay or something? I bet you there are some people in Green Bay wishing that he wasn't back because he looked awful. Their offense was just completely out of rhythm. Aaron Jones could not get going. Tunyon didn't have a good game at all. Adams was quiet. I mean, a couple questionable picks, and um, I'm curious if you think it's a little cause of concern for the Packers, or if you just think that the Saints uh, are going to be, like, for real this year. I mean, I would say it's a little bit of both. I just think the Packers, like, I think the Saints just took it to them in this game, just pretty much dominated on both sides of the ball. But I think the Packers kind of looked a little uninspired at times out there. I mean... Even, like, Aaron Rodgers, when his team was down, like, a lot of points. I know it's only week one, but, like, he really did not look that mad. I know he probably – he's a guy that said the R-E-L-A-X, relax. So, a person – I'm going to trust Aaron Rodgers here. I'm not going to say it's, like, anything concerning after week one. I'll give more credit to the Saints in this situation. But I think Green Bay has got to look over some things and uh, get things back together because this team last year – was Super Bowl caliber. They were a Super Bowl caliber team. And this week against the Saints, they looked flat out horrendous on offense and defense. And the Saints just took it to them on, in this game. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to lean towards the Saints to give them the credit that they deserve. Their defense is still criminally underrated. I mean, they were one of the best units last year. This year, they lost a couple pieces, but Marshawn Lattimore, he's playing with like a club on his hand, too. Uh, it didn't really matter. Marcus Williams is back on that defense as well. So, yeah, I'll give it to them. Jameis Winston, uh, one of the best post-game interviews, too. I mean, Jameis just always huh, gets me to laugh. Well, he's talking about like how he's like, my trainer told us before the game. He's like, what did he say? We, we got to be prepared. It was it was a great, great post-game speech. Definitely um, uh, been a character all offseason. So good for him. And the LASIK eye surgery uh, has a great customer in Jameis Winston to kind of vouch for them right now. I mean, the guy doesn't have LASIK. He's uh, this questionable quarterback throwing 30 interceptions now. LASIK Jameis only is dotting up the Green Bay Packers, former uh, NFC runner-ups last year. But, yeah, I think we just got to give maybe Rodgers another couple weeks to settle in. Obviously, he wasn't really at camp. Uh, like the – Stuff in, like, July and, like, even early August, you know what I mean? Kind of reported late. So, let them get into some sort of rhythm. They play the Lions this week at home. So, I mean, that's definitely a good spot for them there to kind of uh, ease back into things in a sense. But, yeah, a little alarming, but I'm not going to completely panic yet on the Green Bay Packers. Another big upset this past week, the Pittsburgh Steelers going to Buffalo and beat them 23-16. 
uh, kind of like an ugly game in a sense where it's more of like a defensive battle. And then you got a special teams touchdown out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But listen, that defense, they neutralized Josh Allen. I know TJ Watt, highest paid defensive player, excuse me, in football. Congrats to him. Um, forced to fumble on Josh Allen. And yeah, definitely Pittsburgh surprised me. I thought they, uh, Buffalo would uh, handle them like they did last year, but it uh, didn't seem to happen this week. Yeah, I think um, the opening play when Isaiah McKenzie returned a kickoff to like the Pittsburgh 24 and that Pittsburgh defense who was rock solid, like just a really good defense all day. They held him to a field goal. I think they set the tone there that their defense was there to play. And yeah, that's what they did. Like you said, they kind of held Josh Allen in check. And yeah, the offense, I mean, Big Ben only threw for 188 yards. Najee Harris didn't even have a good day. But, I mean, they just had enough to um, to get the job done. Yes, uh, special teams and defense um, get him that victory. And, yeah, that Steelers defense, I mean, they looked really good, like they did in the, first, in the beginning of uh, last year's season. Honestly, throughout the whole season. Like, that's Pittsburgh Steelers, like that Pittsburgh Steelers team, they just lean on that defense. And, yeah, I think a lot of people were thinking the Bills were going to come out here and, like, lay it to the – Steelers and hey, I mean, Steelers come out here one and zero, and yeah, I think they set the tone early. That's what I, that's a my key point. Yeah, I think a lot of people may be overlooking Pittsburgh a little bit, especially because after uh, their eleven and zero start last year, they went like one and four right down the or uh, what's well, yeah, we had one and four down the stretch last year. Uh, and then lost, obviously, in that playoff game. But, yeah, they definitely kind of opened my eyes. Definitely maybe give a little perspective. Maybe I wasn't um, giving them enough credit that they deserve. But, yeah, I mean, to win a game where Big Ben doesn't throw for over 200 yards and Najee Harris really didn't get anything going on the ground is impressive. I know Big Ben did throw a nice touchdown, though, to Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool looked good, too. Had a couple of uh, contested catches. And, like I said, just lean on that defense. And maybe uh, they can make some noise in the AFC North because two of their counterparts in that division did lose. And I guess we'll talk about probably the more surprising one. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens get upset on Monday Night Football. First of all, one of the craziest endings in a sense that um, Justin Tucker probably thinks he won them the game there with about like 30 seconds left in that field goal. Carlson comes back down to hit like a 56-yarder to force OT. And in an overtime, the Brian Edwards thing. Then you throw the pick on the goal line. Then Lamar <laughs> fumbles. I mean, like... Just on like crazy, crazy, crazy game. Uh, but again, very entertaining and definitely eye-opening in a sense for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they just do. If you ask me, they don't look anything like those that team from 2019 and really not even from 2020 last year. And uh, I don't want to like completely overreact, but I think like maybe a red flag's going up in Baltimore. Like their offensive line just got manhandled all game. And their defense, uh, like their identity is man coverage uh, with no Marcus Peters. It definitely was showing. Darren Waller really had his way all day. And, uh, yeah, I'd be a little nervous if I was a Ravens fan. Yeah, I mean, this was a terrific game. Uh, I mean, really exciting game. Uh, I'll give some uh, some love to as a kicker myself. I mean, Justin Tucker and uh, Daniel Carlson both coming up clutch in their respective situations. But, yeah, I mean, this Ravens offense, I'll start with the offense they like, 2019, this Ravens offense, absolutely dynamic. And even last year, it was a good offense. Like, I thought this this game, I, I'll give some credit to the to the Las Vegas defense. I mean, Max Crosby had a really good game, but it just did not seem, like, they were not moving the ball as easily as, as I, I've seen the Ravens in the past. I mean, Lamar Jackson had 86 rushing yards, but I don't know. I feel like he didn't feel not, like, like it. Yeah, no, I really, I thought he didn't even run that much. I didn't even realize he had 12 carries. I mean, I know it's only week one, and a lot of running backs already got hurt. So, I mean, they're probably telling him, do not, like, run every play. But if he runs every play, 
there's no doubt he's picking up at least six to eight yards. But I mean, that's you can't play football like that. But yeah, I mean, this Ravens offense looks a little concerning, but it's only week one. The O line did get beat up, so I'll give I'll give some credit to the Las Vegas defense. Not really a defense that's known to show out, but they they played well at home in uh in that new stadium, and this was a terrific game. Yeah, first game in Vegas with fans, and it kind of definitely showed, honestly, the crowd was definitely into it at some point. Uh, they had, like, everybody. They had um, Bruce Buffer was, like, announcing, but, like, getting yeah. the crowd all hyped before the game. I know Michael Buffer was on, like, Sunday night, too, with the Rams. I think it's crazy that those guys are there. They pay him, but whatever. Max Crosby, again, somebody who just had a field down. Uh, right tackle, Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, Crosby, obviously, a guy from the 2019 draft. Uh, who was really showed up for the Raiders. Definitely was one of their best finds later in that draft. I believe that he was in the third or the fourth round. But yeah, I, again, the Ravens' identity these past couple of years has just been run, run, run the football and stuff like that, obviously. And Lamar can kind of play complimentary football, but it's almost like Lamar now is asked to be Superman. And I don't even think it's a, like a problem with the running backs. Like I, I, not really at one point was I like, oh, like Latavius Murray or Tyson. Well, Tyson Williams actually looked pretty good. Latavius looked a step, maybe like lacking a step there uh, a little bit, but Again, it was never like the running back, if you ask me, wasn't it? If, if they had J.K. Dobbins in this game, I really don't think the game is that different is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I just think there's a, just a lot more pressing concerns around that team outside of the running back position. Like you said, I bet you Lamar starts running the ball a lot more down the stretch. But I guess I'll give the Raiders a little bit more credit. I definitely wrote them off this year. I thought their AFC West is a lot better, especially with the Broncos and the Chargers improving. So I thought the Raiders might be an odd man out in that division, but their defense definitely impressed me in a sense. Like I said, a lot more physical than I thought. Their offense at times looked bad, but I mean, with Darren Waller, obviously, and Derek Carr, another guy who, if you ask me, just seems to get the job done and definitely turned up later in that game. So uh, yeah, I guess the Vegas Raiders, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe they do deserve a little bit more credit than I'm giving them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Darren Waller, just an absolute baller, I'd say. Right now, I think he's the top two, definitely the top two pass catching tight end. I'm going to put him over Kittle right now over what he's done the last year and two and what Kittle's deal with in, dealt with injuries. And, yeah, Derek Carr throwing for 435. I mean, this is just a good game back and forth. Josh Jacobs did not really look too healthy but did have a nice um, touchdown. I don't know. The Raiders are a team who, who like, always – they're always at, like, a 6-3 and three type record. And then they, they just like, I won't say they collapse, but they just like kind of choke away a little bit. So I'm not. You, really you, could, you could say it. You could say that they collapse because they do. They definitely do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they usually end the season around like 500 ish. But yeah, I mean, this Raiders team is, they usually get off to decent starts. So I mean, at home, season opener, I think this is a, I think people were acting like Baltimore should win this game pretty handily. I think, um, yeah, Las Vegas got a little underrated in this one. And, I wouldn't be really that – I'll give um, – I'm not really that concerned about Baltimore. They do have some holes, but, I mean, I'll see them next week against uh, Kansas City. They've never really been able to beat them. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing if they could uh, come out. You don't want to start 0-2. I mean, the Ravens are a team who have been really good in the regular season, and it would be tough for them to start 0-2. So I'm curious to see how that uh, that matchup works out. Yeah, definitely a big test for them. Like you said, Kansas City's handled them well the past couple of years. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. And maybe that could tell you a lot more about the Ravens if they're able to pull it out. Uh, that game is at home, actually, the Sunday night game. So it should be a very good game. Uh, another surprise I think a lot of people could say in the league, just because maybe of, like, the score of this game. But for me personally, I've kind of seen through the Tennessee Titans. I know if you listened to our episode last week, I predicted the Titans not to make the playoffs because I thought their defense is just atrocious. I think maybe losing Arthur Smith was – 
a much bigger loss than people think. They didn't really replace a lot of guys on offense. Obviously, they, were, they brought in Julio Jones, a receiver, but they don't really have a new tight end, which is essential to work in their play-action game. But Kyler Murray and company come in. They absolutely steamroll them, beating 38-13. Chandler Jones had five sacks. Um, I guess we'll start with the Cardinals, a team also that I predicted not to make the playoffs. Listen, the Cardinals have an explosive offense. Their defense looks honestly uh, a lot better, a lot more, a lot improved. I know Chandler Jones is back, like I said, out of a huge game. Isaiah Simmons in the middle of their defense as well with Zayvon Collins, J.J. Watt there too. So, I guess I, I, my biggest thing with the Cardinals when it comes to their playoff hopes is that they're going to have to play six games against San Francisco, the Rams, and the Seattle Seahawks. You know what I mean? Those six games, like, it's good. Th- those are crazy, crazy games. I just don't think they have the advantage coaching in those games. But – Listen, with Kyler Murray, a potential MVP candidate, I mean, the throw that he made to Christian Kirk was unreal. Like, oh, not yeah. a lot of quarterbacks should make that. You know what I mean? I think it's funny that people a couple years ago actually wrote off Kyler Murray because of his height. Like, that's just ridiculous. The kid is an absolute baller. Good for him. Uh, and if I was the Titans, I would be a little nervous because I think this is kind of a gut check. Uh, Mike Vrabel was not happy, I know, especially with Julio Jones, too. So, yeah, the Titans, uh, they have a tough week, too, with Seattle. Again, that defense doesn't really get a break. But, yeah, like I said, maybe you're not necessarily surprised me, but uh, a little eye-opening because I didn't think the Cardinals were going to handle them so uh, like, so well. Yeah, man, I'm, I think after this game, I know it's only one game, but I think the Arizona Cardinals looked absolutely, like, really good out there. And, like, Kyler Murray just absolutely balled out, and he just continues to improve his game. And that defense has been kind of an issue for the Cardinals, but that defense looks Really good. I mean, Chandler Jones just absolutely torching Taylor Lewan. And this guy Lewan is just out here. What do you even say? He He's like, I mean, he's giving the guy props, kind of. I, I, I respect that. But, I mean, Chandler Jones, five sacks in one game. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of all in on this Arizona Cardinals team right now. And the, and the Titans were a team who I predicted to win the AFC South. I'm not going to change my, my pick because they lost week one. I mean... I think this this Tennessee offense is really talented, but they just did not play. Like I'll give credit to the defense, but I mean this offense did not play up to their capability. Like Derrick Henry kind of held in check, and just Julio Jones, AJ Brown also kind of held in check. I mean it was just not a good day for Tennessee, but I'm not I'm not writing them off yet. I uh, I, st- I still think they'll uh, win the AFC South, but I think this game was more about the the Cardinals looking absolutely. Terrific out there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I'm definitely with that. You mentioned, like, yeah, the Titans never could really get into rhythm, never could really get Derek Henry going. You mentioned, though, your AFC South pick was the Tech and the Titans. My AFC South pick was the Colts. And the Colts also kind of had a tough day on Sunday. They lose to the Seattle Seahawks at home. The Seahawks, honestly, just a very good week one team. And we, like we said, they play very good in the beginning of the season. I know Russell Wilson threw a beautiful deep ball. Again, throws the best deep ball in football to Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf also had a touchdown this game. Lockett went for two, actually, right? Yeah, two, two touchdowns. He did go for two touchdowns. Okay. So, yeah, I know they, they got a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz and stuff like that. You look at Wentz's splits when he was pressured, uh, struggled a little bit. But then from a clean pocket, honestly, I don't I didn't think Wentz played too, too bad. But, again, just a game that they come up short in. Uh, I think they lost by like two possessions. But hopefully they can bounce back this week. I know they have another tough, tough matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. So, I mean, it doesn't really uh, give them too much of a break. Yeah, I mean, the Colts and Titans have some tough schedules. To uh to start the year, uh, this is a game I really was not really able to to watch that much. But 
I just, yeah, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks are just a really good team at the beginning of the season. Russell Wilson already in his, like, early season MVP form where he usually falls off a little towards the end. But, I mean, through, like, the first six games, this guy's always, like, the MVP frontrunner, and he showed that in uh, week one. I mean, the Seattle offense is just it's a really good offense. I mean, two top wide receivers, like a one-two combo, and then Chris Carson. But... I mean, Carson Wentz looked, I mean, he looked decent for uh debut with the the Colts. And, yeah, I'm not really worried about the Colts either, I think. I don't think they'll win the AFC South, but I still think they'll be a, a good team. I just, am, I mean, I think this just might be an example. Like, the AFC, I mean, the NFC West just handled the AFC South in uh, in both these games. Just shows how good that uh that NFC West really is. Yeah, the NFC West went 4-0, and actually also the AFC West also went 4-0. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the, the West divisions, but they're killing the game out there. Uh, one thing, too, that Seattle, I mean, yeah, I mean, Indianapolis' defense, I guess you could point to in this game, wasn't great. Seattle kind of really moved the ball at will, and they ran the ball well as well. Uh, their new offensive coordinator, I'm blanking on his name, it's Shane something. He's from the Rams. He's like one of their, like, worked under McVay and stuff like that. So kind of implementing a couple new things and stuff like that. So, Listen, looks like they're getting early results for that. But, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Colts fan. Uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about kind of the rookie quarterbacks because all five of the rookie quarterbacks actually did make uh, their NFL debuts. I know three of them obviously were starting. And what do we want to start with, Core? Uh, Core, you know what? Start with whatever rookie quarterback you want to talk about first. I mean, I'll start with the uh, – I'll start with my Jets. I mean, I thought Zach Wilson – Zach Wilson looked pretty good out there, in my opinion. I mean, the O-line really did not help. Zach Wilson was basically running for his life most of the uh, most of the game. I mean, Mekhi Becton, once again, get gets injured. You just, like, don't like to see that. He's, uh, I think he's at, what, like, I think he's at, like, at least six to eight weeks. I'm, I might be wrong, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought the Jets, in um in, in Zach Wilson's debut, I, I, call, I give him, like, like a B, B minus in his in his debut. I thought he looked decent. Definitely um could have improved. But I don't know. The O line was a was a thing that the Jets like looked to improve this offseason and I thought they did, but I mean once again, I mean their their QB is constantly just running for their running for his life. And I mean this is the Zach the Sam Arnold revenge game. Two hundred and seventy nine yards, one one touchdown, I think he rushed for another. And, yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey back and healthy. He's just one of the most dynamic players in the game. Rushing the ball, receiving the ball, it's just he's just a mismatch in everything, which is hard to guard. But the one thing I liked about the Jets, I mean, Corey Davis going out there, five catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. I think that was a uh, a bright spot on the day. But, yeah, Zach Wilson overall, I think he uh, he did pretty good. Yeah, I think you're a little harsh with Zach Wilson going B, B minus. I probably would have bumped him up to maybe even a B plus. He, honestly, if you ask me, their offensive line just got manhandled all game. Didn't really have any help with the run game. Made a couple of really nice throws. Uh, I can't think who dropped the one. Oh, it was like a deep ball. It was, it was a beautiful throw, though, down the field. But, yeah, it, it's one of those things with the Jets. You know what I mean? You get in the Jets, have to let him get more game experience and stuff like that and just kind of give him a little bit of help because, honestly, he was kind of uh, fending for himself on the offensive side of the ball. But you are right. Uh, Corey Davis had a very good Jets debut. And, um, yeah, good for Sam Darnold uh, and his revenge. Obviously, McCaffrey out there looked good. DJ Moore looked good. Robbie Anderson caught a long touchdown. The only catch of the day was like a long touchdown and stuff like that. So uh, maybe the Panthers can uh, make some noise in that NFC South. Uh, let's 
talk about the other two rookie quarterbacks that were starting. I know Trevor Lawrence kind of had a little bit of a tough day, threw a nice touchdown to DJ Chark, but a couple questionable interceptions. I know he got baited on one by, um, I can't think, they, they were playing that car. I can't think of the guy who picked them off on the Texans, but it was, it was, it was honestly a good defensive play, not a great read from Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, again, I think it was more surprising in this game that the Jaguars got absolutely pummeled by the Houston Texans. I didn't think anybody would say that Mark Ingram would get 25 carries because the Texans would win comfortably, but a kind of uh, welcome to the NFL moment for Urban Meyer. But yeah, again, nothing crazy alarming for Lawrence. A couple flashes, a couple tough throws and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Growing pains. And Mac Jones honestly looked pretty good, and it looked like his NFL debut would be a victory. But Damian Harris fumbles in that game late, and the Dolphins come into Foxborough and beat the Patriots by one point. I think that's a little sour for Bill Belichick, especially because Brian Flores used to be his old assistant and beats him. But again, both these quarterbacks, if you ask me, I mean, Jones honestly played pretty well. Not, didn't have to be Superman again. Played a nice complimentary role in that offense. Honestly looked better than Tua, uh, which is not a knock on Tua. But, again, uh, nothing too crazy with these quarterbacks. Nothing spectacular. But, again, do the job, and it's early. You know what I mean? These guys are just only going to get better as the season goes. Yeah, rookie QBs in week one. I mean, we can't be expecting them to go out there 400 yards and four touchdowns. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence – I mean, I said on last podcast, like the Jaguars being minus three, like I would just never touch that game in the Jaguars' favor. I mean, minus mm-hmm. three, they should not be favored over anyone at this point. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, a lot of that game, they were just playing from behind through the ball 51 times. I mean, his stats look all right. He did have three picks, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he, he had some flashes and he had some uh, moments of him being a rookie quarterback. But I think overall, he's just a talented uh, prospect, I think. There, I think he'll be fine. And then Mac Jones, yeah, I mean, a little bit different. Did throw the ball 39 times, but, I mean, he, he doesn't have to do as much as Trevor Lawrence. But I think he had a good debut. I didn't really watch his game that much. But I think, I mean, Mac Jones is very, like, he's a he's a pocket quarterback. And, I mean, if he's in a good system, I think he will succeed. I think he's in the right system here. I expect him to do to do well this year uh tough tough loss in the first game and yeah i mean two alabama quarterbacks going at it i mean Tua had a a tough throw i know he like chucked that into into like he was getting like about to get sacked and he just chucked it he got like deflected an interception i mean that's just a throw that uh you gotta like eat the ball and yeah i mean it's the afc east good division but i expect the patriots next week Unfortunately, I think they dropped to 0-2 because I think uh, Zach Wilson handles them. But we can talk about that later when we make our game picks. But, yeah, I think it was a good debut for uh, for Mac Jones. Ah, Corey loves to foreshadow the rookie quarterback matches that we come. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. But we'll kind of finish up talking about our rookie quarterbacks, talk about a couple other things first. Um, Trey Lance and Justin Fields both didn't start, but they both did record a touchdown. I know the Niners, they kind of had a little bit of a scare at the end. They do lose Raheem Moulter, which is a tough loss, but hopefully Elijah Mitchell and even Trey Sermon can step in and fill that void. But yeah, Trey Lance, it looks like he might be pushed off a little bit because Jimmy Garoppolo looked great in that win. And Justin Fields, I mean, he's got to start soon, man, because the offense with Andy Dalton just looks so stale. I mean, they don't take any shots down the field. And on Sunday night, the Rams defense just, again, I mean, the Rams in general just showed why they were such a better team than the Bears and why they are a true Super Bowl contender. But, I mean, Andy Dalton was just, it, it, it was tough. I mean, again, and it's such a tease by putting Justin Fields in for a couple of plays. Just let him start. I think um, Fields will get on the field starting before Lance. But, uh, 
yeah, listen, I'm not Matt Nagy, though, and I'm not making the decision, so who knows? Yeah, no, nah, I don't really see, like, what's the point of putting a guy like Justin Fields, whose skill set is obviously, like, NFL starter capable, like, just putting him in for, like, little type plays, like, gadget plays, I, I think, uh, I don't see the point in that. I mean, guys like Taysom Hill do that, but I think that's more to his skill set. Like, Justin Fields clearly should be the start of this team. And I think if it, if next week Andy Dalton and loses, loses to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, I think I think Matt Nagy makes the, the switch for week three because I think you lose to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, like, your crowd is going to be booing. Like, you got to make the switch. You drafted a guy in the first round. I think uh, you got to make the switch. But, yeah, on the other hand, uh, Trey Lance, I honestly agree. I don't think he will he will uh, start before Justin Fields. Because, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers are just a better, a better team. And Jimmy Garoppolo's more capable starter at this point than uh, Andy Dalton. And Jimmy G looked good on, good on Sunday, threw for 314 in a touchdown. And, yeah, I mean, if, if San Francisco, like, just wins, I mean, I don't see how you could, you could put Trey Lance in at starter. I mean, Trey Lance maybe near the, get, can get some um, work in the uh, goal line area, stuff like that. But, yeah, I think Justin Fields definitely makes his debut way before Trey Lance. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm in agreement. Definitely, like you said, in agreement with me. I, I like that core. I think, yeah, Trey Lance in some goal line packages, like not even goal line, just more in general, like even like the red zone and stuff like that, that just even opens up the quarterback run option and definitely could make the 49ers that much more dangerous in that area. Uh, I kind of alluded to the fact how good the Rams look on Sunday Night Football. If you ask me, they looked like one of the best teams in all of football. I mean, Matt Stafford had a big day. Cooper Cup did as well. Again, their defense is in rhythm. Uh, I guess the other top dogs in the NFL also picked up victories. Obviously, the two teams just played in the Super Bowl I'm t- referring to. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of got a little bit of a scare from the Cowboys. And they thought the Cowboys played a lot better. They kind of got off their, like, they, you know what I mean? They, they knew that they had an advantage on the perimeter in that game. They threw the ball a ton with Dak. Dak looked pretty good uh, coming back from his injury. And you could honestly argue there should have been offensive pass interference late in that game before Suckup kicks the game-winning field goal. And the t- Tampa Bay shouldn't have even won that game. But Listen, a win is a win. I thought Tampa Bay played well. I just thought, honestly, they shot themselves in the foot with the Ronald Jones fumble. Fournette had a bad tip that turned into an interception. So, yeah, I think if they clean those things up, really, that game shouldn't have been too, too like as close as it was. It shouldn't have came down to suck up right foot. And the Chiefs came back on the Browns. I think the Browns had like a 12-point lead in this one. Uh, kind of a little concerning that, again, the Browns are normally a team that when, when they have one of those leads, they can run and churn the clock and kind of wear you down and stuff. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes doesn't stand for that. I know he had that crazy touchdown to Tyree Kill. Had a late touchdown as well to Travis Kelsey. Baker Mayfield kind of throws a pick late. That's not a great throw at all. Probably eat that. Doesn't really concern me, though, for the Browns. I think the Browns are still one of the most talented teams in all football. And I think they probably see the Chiefs again come playoff time. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that potential matchup happen again. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, um, I mean, the Browns, yeah, they blew a 12-point lead. But like like you said, they... They're a team that likes to uh, run the ball when they're ahead, but I mean the Chiefs' offense is just a different type of breed in uh, in the NFL. So I'll give them a pass. Week one against the like the former AFC Championship winners, I think I think that was just a, it was a good game both ways. Uh, and yeah, I think this is a potential AFC Championship um, preview. I know only in week one, but I just think these are two. 
of the top three teams in the AFC in in a pretty good AFC. So I think uh, this could definitely be a preview. And then for that Thursday night game, that was a really good game. I think Dallas is, I don't know, every, like Dallas is a good team. Like I think they are good. Like they, they played, they were right like neck and neck. I think they even out, out yarded. Like they had more yards and more first downs than this, uh, than Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But I don't know, something about the Cowboys. They just, they could, like, I never, like, I can never see the Cowboys win a big game or against, like, a good opponent. Like, I know they won, like, two, three years ago in the playoffs, I think, the home playoff game against Seattle. But I don't know, like, Dallas just finds ways to, not, like, this is a game, I don't know about you, like, I think they were, they were down at halftime. I think it was a game, like, they easily could have been up in this, in this one, obviously. Zero line misses a 31-yarder and an extra point. But I don't know. I just thought I just thought Dallas easily could have won this game. But, I mean, Tom Brady's the GOAT for a reason. Obviously, they left him a little bit too much time. Controversial P.I. call at the end. But late in the game, I mean, refs let him play. So, I don't have a problem with it. And, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady just finds ways to win. So, I thought this was um, a good showing for, for the Cowboys, though. And, obviously, the Bucks also. But, yeah, it's just a really good game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think the Cowboys could have won that game maybe off a couple of those turnovers instead of settling for three points. you got to score touchdowns on them. And obviously, I did mention, too, that, like, the Tampa had a couple of miscues. I mean, Dallas, yeah, he said Zerline missed that. He missed a 31-yarder. Um, he missed an extra point as well. So, again, just got to clean that up. But in a sense, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about Dallas in the NFC East push as a Giants fan. But um, I definitely think that, yeah, like, this, this team is – you know what I mean? People people might be like in a sense, oh, like they're Dallas, they'll always find a way to choke it or something like that, which may be true. But you know what I mean? They are still they have still have a very good roster. And again, with Dak Prescott at quarterback, this team could be dangerous if they um piece it all together. I know they're losing Leo Collins for like five games. Demarcus Lawrence is out too for the foreseeable future. They do get back Zach Martin, which should hopefully be a big addition to their offensive line. But I mean they have to get Ezekiel Lele going. He looked awful on Thursday night football. I know, like, I think it's a little bit too much to overreact and say that Zeke's kind of washed and stuff like that. Look, they had to get away from their game script. Like I mentioned earlier, they saw that they could win on the outside with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. That was their game plan. Tampa Bay has a great front four and, and a great like front seven just in general with their linebackers as well. So, you know what I mean? That's not where their strength was. You're not going to just go like run the ball 20 yards, 20 times a game just to run, like, just to run it. You know what I mean? Get away from that and adapt. I thought Kellen Moore did a very good job calling that game for Dallas and definitely kept them in the game that way. The one thing that you can look at with Zeke is the fact that he didn't score on that touchdown. Uh, that's a that's a bad like you have to score on that play. You know what I mean? You have to make a backup safety miss there. Blake Jarwin should have one thousand percent blocked him, but you have to score on that play. So I don't want to completely overreact and write Zeke off. I know we'll kind of get into this part where we're kind of like signaling out people on who we thought maybe had to. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Maybe had surprising weeks or maybe had somebody who uh, you're afraid of. But Ezekiel Elliott does not fall in that category because, again, of just how much they – if you ask me, they had to adjust their game script for what they were, like, doing very well in that game. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, Zeke, I'm going to be honest, he did not look good at all. But, I mean, that Tampa Bay defense is the best run defense in the NFL. And when you got you got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup on the outside, arguably – a top trio. Uh, Kellen Moore obviously had a great game plan with uh, Dak Prescott. Just don't like that. That that defense is just absolutely swarming. They swarm a lot of 
run offenses. So, I mean, when you have those guys on the outside with Dak Prescott, I mean, Zeke was not like he was not as featured in this offense in this game. I mean, he did not look good, but I'll give him I need to see him when he gets like more carries and he's more involved in the offense because it was clear that the Cowboys were uh, heavy on the pass in this game and were um, not really looking to like they did not want to mess with that. Tampa Bay run defense, but that that one play where he couldn't make the guy miss near the uh, like the four yard line, like that was a tough look. I think he has to get around him and get to the end zone. But I mean, Zeke fantasy owners, I think I wouldn't say panic levels at ten, but like I put, I'd say the panic levels around like a three, three to four right now. Like I think there's a little bit of panic for Zeke. Yeah, I think if you get a couple weeks where. Again, maybe the volume's not necessarily there, and like he doesn't look great. I, I honestly thought like him running the ball on a couple of his runs, he's at least like he got a decent head of steam and stuff like that. I think he looked maybe a little better than last year, but again, not saying a whole ton. But I want to get to a couple other guys who definitely surprised me this week before we get into our game picks. Uh, as a Giants fan, it was kind of uh, embarrassing to see that loss against the Denver Broncos. There was a ton of times in that game where they could have got off the field in third and fourth down. Uh, the game definitely changes on that fourth down conversion by Teddy Bridgewater. And then also a Daniel Jones fumble didn't help. Uh, gives the ball to the Broncos back. But the Broncos just dominated uh, time of possession really uh, throughout the, the game entirely. But Teddy Bridgewater did surprise me, so I will tip my cap to that. I thought the Broncos starting Teddy Bridgewater was kind of them conceding that they weren't like going to be like they just wanted somebody safe. But Teddy Bridgewater, especially from a mobile standpoint, he was uh, – Definitely impressed me from that sense. He made a couple big plays in that game. So hats off to Teddy. And maybe the Broncos do have a playoff future uh, ahead of them. I also want to shout out the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Uh, they played a tremendous game against the Atlanta Falcons. I know I'm not saying a lot. The Atlanta Falcons might be one of the worst teams now in the NFL. You can, like Their roster just isn't it. They're rebuilding Arthur Smith, a tough coaching debut. But I'll give a good shout out to Nick Sirianni, too, what they were able to do on offense against the Falcons. It just looks like he's catering a lot to Jalen Hurts' strengths, making a lot of things similar to what he did at Oklahoma and what made him so successful there. Uh, Devonta Smith looked very good. Jalen Rager caught a touchdown. And Miles Sanders, too, gave them a lot of work on the ground. So, uh, again, I don't love it. That's probably one of the most um, displeasing segments that I've ever had to talk about. I've had to bash my team. And not bash my team, but you know what I mean? Give props to the opposing quarterback. And then I had to just give props to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm disgusted with myself, Corey. Um, I mean, who, who else do you want to talk about? You, were you impressed with, like, a little Jamar Chase coming back? I mean, what happened? Yeah. Everybody's getting at him with his drops. But Jamar Chase is like, it don't matter. Let me bring it, wind back the clock to LSU. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Bengals look pretty good. I mean, Joe Burrow looked good off his torn ACL. Joe Mixon had almost 30 carries. And, yeah, Jamar Chase was a guy, like, everybody was clowning, especially after he comes up with the comment, like, how the ball in the NFL is harder to catch. And then he just goes out, has five catches, 101 yards. And one touchdown has a 50-yard bomb from Joe Burrow, an absolute dime right on the money. And, yeah, I mean, this Bengals offense, I mean, they have a really good trio of wide receivers, in my opinion, also with – like, you can't even tell me who the, the number one wide receiver on the team is. it Like, right now, like, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, three of them, all really good receivers. Obviously, Joe Mixon. The uh, the O-line, obviously, I mean, still a little bit of a concern. Joe, Joe Burrow sacked five times. But I don't know. This is a young Bengals team who, um, who look good. And then, I mean, two other teams and uh, players that obviously stood out pretty obvious. But, like, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns. 
did not throw for that many yards, but obviously he aired out that last one to Deontay Harris. And uh, obviously the Arizona Cardinals, we stated earlier. I mean, Kyler Murray looked really good in that defense. Chandler Jones, five sacks. Just, I think um, the Cardinals are a team I'm, I'm, I'm really on their bandwagon after uh, that week one performance, which would fall in the category of definitely like an overreaction after week one. So, yeah, those three teams slash players, I think definitely uh, were um, like impressive. Yeah, I'll touch on the former because we kind of talked about Kyler. We talked about um, and how, how well he looked as well as Jameis Winston. But, um, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings caught themselves in the foot a lot in that game. They had a lot of a lot more penalties, I think almost 100 more penalty yards than the Cincinnati Bengals. They lose that game in overtime. Definitely a little alarming, I thought, the Vikings. Uh, you picked them to go to the playoffs as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so not, not a great sign. So, I don't know. I didn't love that, like – Week one, you can make a statement kind of how you just coming off a tough year. You get a lot of guys back and stuff like that. But then, I don't know, to kind of like – I'm not going to say lay an egg in a sense, but you know what I mean? To, to just be sloppy, that's just not a good look. Hopefully, they could rebound um, this coming week. And really, the only game that we really haven't talked about at all, but we'll kind of get into it, is that the Chargers beat the Washington football team 20-16. to A game, again, maybe the scoreboard's a little closer because Justin Herbert kind of got like screwed – and like the red zone and stuff like that. They called that a fumble. But I think the big takeaway from this game is that Ryan Fitzpatrick was just placed on IR. First, Curtis Samuel was inactive for this game. He's on IR. Ryan Fitzpatrick, excuse me, will not be uh, playing for the foreseeable future. Taylor Heineke will be under center. Uh, Washington, I think, was a trendy pick to win the NFC East. Uh, does this change your outlook on that? Or do you think that Heineke can still get the job done? No, I think Taylor Heineke is a really good bag of quarterback. I think it might change my outlook a little bit, just how good. I don't know Dallas lost, but they were playing the, the reigning Super Bowl champs. I think they look really good, and Philly also good. But, no, nah, I'm not going to change my pick after week one. I still think the Washington football team wins this division somehow. I think it's a grind. But, uh, I mean, to say, like, yeah, I picked them to win in, like, week one, they, they did not play necessarily great. I mean, Chase Young on the defense side got clamped by Rayshon Slater. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'll still pick them to win, but they did not come out. Like, I thought they were going to win this game, and they they had a chance to win it. But, I, I, I mean, they did not play great. But, yeah, still ride with them to, to win the NFC East. Yeah, you mentioned Rashawn Slater. I mean, somebody who you talk about having an absolute day. A guy who opted out in 2020 in college at Northwestern. 49 pass blocking snaps he had against, uh, like, Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Zero quarterback, zero sacks. Zero quarterback hits allowed, zero pressures, zero hurries. A guy who fell to 13, you could argue that the Giants, even at number 11, instead of trading back, maybe should have taken Slater, especially with their offensive line concerns. But, yeah, you talk about, I mean, the probably the, be- the, the best debut he could have, uh, protecting Justin Herbert's blind side. I think maybe Los Angeles found a start at left tackle for their foreseeable future. All right, so we talked about Washington and the uncertainty at quarterback. Unfortunately for Washington, it's a quick turnaround. Kind of brings us into our game picks for this week because they're going to be the first game that we talk about because it is on Thursday Night Football. My New York football giants, they travel to Washington. Washington is three and a half point favorites in this game without their starting quarterback. Um, I guess I'll start with this one first. As you know, big Giants fan again. I think this is a good spot for them to bounce back. The past two years, they have not lost to Washington. Daniel Jones is actually has four of his eight career wins against Washington. It's just a team that they seem to handle very well these past couple of years. Like I said, last year was a little bit more competitive in that sense. I think a big question mark will be Saquon Barkley again. They kind of eased him into action last week. The game script, again, didn't go 
completely in their favor. Like, you know, in the second half, they started, they really didn't get the ball that much. And then when they did finally have it, they were down by 13 points. So I think that worked against him, but on a short week, I don't necessarily love what his volume could potentially be, but if I'm going to go with the giants here. I'm going to bank on their defense, getting uh, a couple big stops for them, getting a couple turnovers. And the biggest thing is Kenny Galladay got going late last week. I think this week they draw up a lot of design stuff to him. I expect him to get at least 10 targets and Daniel Jones looked good. I wouldn't say he looked great. The offensive line wasn't was eh at times. Like the right side, Nate Soldier was brutal. But Andrew Thomas did a good job. He's got a lot on his plate with Chase Young. So I'm going to take the Giants here to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a pretty good game. But I think um, two teams starting off 0-1. And you don't want to fall to 0-2 in, uh, in the NFCs or any division. So I'll take the football Washington football team here at home. And I'll take them to cover three and a half points. I think they win somewhere from like five to seven points. I think it'll be a good game. But I think Chase Young ha- has a bounce back bounce back week and, on a short week. And, yeah, I like Taylor Heineke to, to get the job done at home. And, uh, yeah, I'll take the football team to cover. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say, Corey. I mean, we're recording this Wednesday night. So I hope that tomorrow night, well, when you guys are listening to this tonight, <laughs> uh, I can text you and be like, I told you so. But moving on. To the rest of the Sunday slate now, uh, an AFC East battle. Uh, teams actually that are one team's one and zero, one team's all one. You'd be a little surprised if you looked at it. The Bills, three and a half point favorites against the Dolphins. I think this is a prime bounce back spot here for the Bills, so I'll take them to win and cover. Uh, like I said last year, Josh Allen had a huge game in Miami. I think he threw for like over 400 yards, kind of like. Uh, it was early in the year, too, and then it was kind of people like, all right, the Josh Allen kid, he's really for real. So I expect him to have another big game with them. Like I said, last week, last year, the last week of the season, too, they dominated Miami. Again, just a team that they handled well. So I'll go with that, and I'll take them with three and a half points, too. Like I said, I think they come out with a little bit of fire under them after uh, Pittsburgh kind of punched them in the mouth week one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I'll take the Bills minus three and a half here. I think the the Bills definitely are not a team that's like a fraud or a fluke from last year. I think they're a really good football team. So I think they come out week two, bounce back week. I think they uh they come out here, get their record at one and one, and cover minus three and a half. All right, moving on to the next game. This is an ugly game core. The Bengals travel to Chicago. The Bears are two and a half point favorites there. I actually just changed my pick in this game because there is no way after watching that Sunday night football game, I'm picking the Bears and Andy Dalton. Their defense already like kind of got torched a little bit. And they already seem like they're just, I'm not going to say quitting on the team, but like, again, it's just not the same Chicago Bears defense that it was two years ago and stuff like that. Uh, their offensive line too isn't great. So I think maybe the Bengals shot their load last week, winning that game against Minnesota. I think this could definitely be a letdown spot, but it's the Bears. They're just not that very good. I honestly think the Bengals surprised me a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals for an upset here to win this game. I think Joe Burrow lights it up with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins once again, similar to how Stafford was able to have a lot of success with that secondary. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals here. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree again. I think the Bengals here uh, come into to, to Chicago and uh, get a win here. And yeah, I mean this Bears team has not looked did not look good in Week One. I think um, the Bengals win this game, and I think Justin Fields is the starter for Week Three. Yeah, it's a good take, Corey. I actually definitely agree with you. I think losing a game, especially at home, and then to an inferior opponent, would definitely call for a quarterback switch up. Moving on, the Broncos are on the road again. They're traveling, though, this time to Florida to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Broncos six-point favorites here. Jaguars obviously just had a brutal week in Houston, but 
I expect them to kind of keep this one close. It's a home opener. Trevor Lawrence's first home game. I think six is a little too much here for the Broncos just because I think the Broncos are getting a lot of love after what they did to the Giants and stuff like that. I think the Broncos ultimately win this game, but I think it hovers around the numbers. So I'll go with the home team uh, to cover, but I'll take the Broncos to win the game. Maybe they get off to a little bit of a slow start travel. You know what I mean? It's a one o'clock game for a team on a different time zone and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll go with the Broncos to ultimately win probably maybe later in the game. They could like a go ahead field goal, but I'll go with the Jaguars to cover the six. Yeah. I think the, I think the, uh, I think the Broncos come, uh, come into Jacksonville and I, I like the Broncos minus six. I think they, uh, they obviously handle the giants in week one. I think they come into Jacksonville week two and uh, handle the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars got a lot of work to do right now. So I think the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater are in a position where um, they're like, they're just going to be a solid team. Like, like that's what Teddy Bridgewater does. Like, he's just a solid, average, good quarterback. So I'll take the Bengals here. Minus, I mean, I'm not saying Bengals. I'll take the Broncos minus six here. Yeah, and listen, I mean, the uh, – uh, Jacksonville Jaguars now have lost 16 straight games dating back to week one last year when they beat the Colts. They have not won a game since. Moving on to a uh, game again. There's a couple really big um, th- uh, spreads this week. Uh, there's three of them that are 10 plus points. The Texans, 1 0 Houston Texans. Who would have thought that the AFC South leading Houston Texans traveled to Cleveland to play the Browns? The Browns are 12 and a half point favorites here. I know it's a big number, but I think the Browns blow the doors off the Texans, especially because the Texans just won. So, you know what I mean? That kind of going to be happy now. Maybe a little content that finally they got the win under the belt. They don't have to worry about going. Oh, and 17 and the Browns, again, they're lost. So, you know what I mean? They're going to want to get back to running the football again. I think they run wild over this Houston Texans defense. Again, I kind of think this is a route. I think the Browns should win this one easy. Yeah, I think 12 and a half is just a lot of points. But, I mean, the Browns, I think, should cover 12 and a half. But I just think it's a lot. I'll give the Texans uh, some love here after a week one win. I'll give Tyrod Taylor the cover here. But, I mean, I don't think there's any way they beat the Browns. But I'll take Texans plus 12 and a half. All right, moving on to the Rams. Another really good game traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts. As good as the Rams looked on Sunday night football. I don't know, this game scares me a little bit from the sense that the Colts just went 0-1. Obviously, they have a tough – we've mentioned this before that the Colts have a really tough five-game schedule. Their defense didn't look great. Um, I'm, I'm debating about flipping my pick here. Right now, I have the Rams ultimately to win the game. Uh, I think – Again, I think they're just the more talented team, but I'll stick with that. I'll stick with the Colts covering the four. Again, I just think that they're able to keep it close. I think their defense kind of has a bounce back week and stuff like that. And um, maybe Carson Wentz can give the defense a little bit more of a challenge than um, what's his name was able to do. Andy Dalton was able to do in the Chicago Bears. Yeah, man, I think the Rams here, uh, I think the Colts last week saw how strong the NFC West is. So I'll go with the Rams here, minus four. I think it'll be a, a one-score game. But, yeah, I think the Rams looked really good on Sunday Night Football. I think Matthew Stafford, um, I mean, this is a way better defense than he played against the Bears right now. But I'll still take the, the Rams to cover minus four. Yeah, and look at this. I'm, I'm the guy picking the Rams to win the Super Bowl and then not even to beat the Colts by four. But I guess that's how it is, right? The Raiders, fresh off their big Monday Night Football win over the Ravens. They travel to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, who just got a big win. Steelers, five-and-a-half-point favorites here. And I don't love the Steelers coming off that win against Buffalo. Again, I think my big theme, I guess, for week one is I love to see, like, letdown spots and stuff like that. I think the Raiders, too, though, are kind of riding a high from that Ravens game. I think this game ends up staying close. I think the Raiders, again, showed me that they could play with these teams. They could get physical with them. But ultimately, I think the Steelers' defense ends up winning out, something that the Ravens wasn't able to do in week 
in week one. I think Najee Harris hopefully can get going against the Raiders run defense that, again, surprisingly was pretty good week one. But So I'll lean towards the Steelers to end up winning this game. I think they keep it close, though, so the Raiders with the points. Yes, and this is a potential to be a solid game. I think this uh, this game could easily go either way. I think it'll be pretty close, but I'll give the Steelers um, I'll give the Steelers the benefit of that here. I'll take that minus five and a half. I think Najee Harris has, I mean, he has to have a better game than he did against Buffalo. I think the this this Pittsburgh defense continues to succeed, but I'm looking for the offense to get going a little more. So I'll take the the Steelers minus five and a half here. Okay, moving on to another AFC East battle. The Patriots play the Jets. I think you kind of tipped your hand at this pick. Zach Wilson's first game in front of the home fans. Uh, I did. I said this earlier with Lawrence. I think Lawrence could keep it close in, in his debut at home, and I think Zach Wilson will as well. I just ultimately can't see the Patriots falling to 0-2 with Bill Belichick losing to, one, his former defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, and then, two, the New York Jets. So I think the Patriots win this one. I think Mac Jones gets his first career win, but... Uh, it's not going to be a what you call not going to be a pushover. I think the Jets keep this one close. So uh, the Jets five and a half, but the Patriots to win the game ultimately. Yeah, this is definitely a close game. And I mean, I think Zach Wilson at home. I think, I think he wins his first career game in a in a regular season game at MetLife Stadium. So I'll take the Jets plus five and a half and to win the game outright. I think the. Uh, yeah, I think Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, Patriots fall to 0-2, and let's get the win. And the, the Bill Belichick, Mac Jones era would not be off to a great start, I can tell you that much. But I don't hate the pick, core. I think it's a nice little pick. All right, we got two games actually here right now that are both the same spread, both three and a half points. I guess we'll start with the Saints and the Panthers first. Uh, I like the Saints, what they did, were able to do to the Packers. I think they keep it rolling against the Panthers again. I think their defense is just criminally underrated, and I think they give Sam Darnold more of a test than the Jets' defense was able to do. And the 49ers as well, I like them on the road, also laying three and a half points on the Eagles. Yes, the Eagles are great week one, but that was against the Atlanta Falcons. The 49ers got up big against the Lions. They had a cushion, all right? They calmed down. But, uh, again, I think uh, they're going to be able to run the ball still behind their great offensive line with Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo surprised me. I think their biggest thing will be containing Jalen Hurts, but they had the, the defense to do it, obviously, with Nick Bosa on the edge. So, yeah, I like the Saints and the 49ers, both three and a half over the Panthers and Eagles, respectively. Yeah, I mean, I like the Saints minus three and a half over the uh, Panthers, I think. Uh, James Winston keeps it going a little bit against this uh, Panthers defense. But I'm going to go a little bit on a different end. I'm going to go Eagles plus three and a half against the 49ers at home. I think the Eagles are a team. I don't know. I think they play better. where They like don't have much expectations. I've noticed that over like the last five, six years. They have expectations. They don't do that good. Then they don't have expectations. They perform. So I'll take them plus three and a half. And I'll actually just take, I'll take them to win the game also. I think uh, Jalen Hurts feels this one at home. So, yeah, I'll take the Saints by three and a half and the Eagles plus three and a half. All right. Core going a little bold there. I love to hear it, Core. Another big spread this week, the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay on that long week. Uh, the 12 and a half point favorites here. I just Again, I know the other one I thought was uh, I still like I picked the Browns to cover in a blowout. I don't think I think this one will be a little closer. I know the Falcons obviously just had a tough week. But I think if this game potentially gets ugly, then the Falcons could be talked about as one of the worst teams uh, in the NFL. But uh, I'll lean the Falcons with the points. I think, again, the division game and stuff like that. Matt Ryan obviously has played that Tampa Bay defense a ton 
over his career, and especially recently with Todd Bowles at the head of it. Ultimately, I think the Buccaneers win this game, but I, I don't know. I just think the number's too big. Uh, and I think the Falcons, like, I mean, they can't look worse than they did this past week, right? So I'm going to hope that they can uh, uh, have a little bit of success that, uh, on the outside throwing the ball, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys did. Yeah, I think the Falcons uh, got to show some, like, a little bit of life. I mean, last week only had six points. I think it'll be a little bit of a sh- better showing for the Atlanta Falcons. In uh, in Tampa Bay, obviously Tampa Bay, I'm going to take two in the game. But, yeah, 12 and a half is also a lot of points. So I'll take the Falcons, have a little bit of a, a bounce back week, show some type of life. And, uh, yeah, I'll take Falcons plus 12 and a half. Okay, moving on. Kind of speed through the rest of these. Uh, Vikings, Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals minus four and a half. Uh, again, I just thought you watch both these teams week one. The Cardinals look great while the Vikings are disappointing me. So I'm going to go away from them. Cowboys Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites here. I'm also going to lean with the Chargers getting their second win over an NFC East team. I thought, like I said, the Chargers were able to move the ball well on Washington's defense. So I think they're going to be able to do it again. Titans Seahawks. Seahawks are five and a half point favorites. I'm going to also lean the Seahawks. So I'm taking three straight favorites there. Um, Look at the Titans again. Their defense is brutal. I think Russell Wilson's going to be able to air it out again to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They just had so much success on the offensive side of the ball against the Indianapolis Colts that it's almost like how can like the Titans aren't stopping them. I know this is probably a good spot for the Titans maybe to bounce back. I think the number is honestly pretty big on that game, but I don't know. I just I'm so off the Titans that I'm just not even going to go with them. Chiefs Ravens is the Sunday night football game. I'm going to go again with the Chiefs here. I think the Ravens like this isn't the year that they're going to beat the Chiefs when they they look their worst. Um, maybe the Chiefs you could say get a little complacent and stuff like that after that big comeback win. I don't think it matters. Mahomes seems to have figured out the Ravens defense uh, and that scheme, so I don't think he has a problem with that. Last game, the Monday night football game, Lions and the Packers. This is such an ugly Monday night football game. I think Aaron Rodgers ultimately um, does get his first victory of the 2021 season. But I'm actually going to go with the Lions to cover 11 because they showed some life later in that game. I actually thought the Lions could – I actually think I took them like seven and a half or whatever uh, when we made our picks because I thought they honestly could keep it close. I actually avoided them in my survivor pools too because I thought they could potentially upset them. And they gave it a little bit of life late, but uh, – the 49ers ultimately did win out. But, yeah, I, I like the Lions and their battle last week uh, late in that game. So, hopefully, they can keep some momentum going. So, uh, cool. I know I kind of just sped through yeah. the rest of mine. So, you want to start with what you call it? What we start? I start with, like, the Cardinals on that. Yeah. I'll take um, – can this one, I think, this will be a, a good game. But I'll take the Cardinals minus four and a half at home. I think Kyler Murray continues his uh, elite play. And then Cowboys Chargers, I expect a fun game. High-scoring affair, and I'll take a push. I'm honestly going to think this is a three-point win for the Chargers. Exactly. A push. That's yeah. history, core. I love it. I'm calling a push. And then uh, Titans, Seahawks. I don't know. Like I just, I can't take the uh, the Titans after how bad they looked last week. Even though, like, I still think they won the AFC South, but they just did not look good. So I'll take Seattle minus five and a half, obviously. A good team to start off years historically. Chiefs, Ravens, I'll, I'll go Chiefs minus three and a half, I think. The Chiefs are a team like you just don't bet against the Chiefs when they play the Ravens. I mean, they they own them normally. So I'll take the Chiefs there. And then Lions, Packers, I think we honestly have like the same picks besides my push. So, yeah, I'll take the Lions plus 11. Usually play pretty close against the Packers historically. So I think the Packers will win the game, but. I mean, I think my guy, DeAndre Swift, has a pretty good game. Jared Goff, 
has a decent game also. I think the Lions cover plus 11. All right, so I love how we're on the same page, Corey. Like I said, that's normally a recipe for disaster, but that kind of wraps up our NFL coverage for week one. And let's get into the NCAA a little bit. We'll kind of give you a brief rundown on that. We've got a couple of games that we'll pick, the two top 25 games going on this week. But I mean, the big story in college football in week two, Oregon goes into Columbus. They beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit. I know Ohio State had a tough time stopping Ibrahim uh, on uh, Minnesota running the ball. And I mentioned Oregon. They love like they love to run the football. Verdell, their running back. Uh, Anthony Brown is their quarterback there. And yeah, again, they were just able to move the ball all game consistently on the ground against Ohio State. Uh, I think, again, the writing was on the wall for Ohio State. Maybe C.J. Stroud again. Like, I don't want to say that a bad game necessarily from a number standpoint, but you watch, like, you watch the game again. Wasn't like completely clean, I think. I don't think he should get benched. I think that's crazy that some people are calling for him to get benched. But again, I just think this has more about Oregon. I think Oregon can pretend they moved to a number four spot. Like, I'm curious, do you think Oregon is like a legit college football playoff contender? I mean, I'm just not high. I mean, the Pac-12 is a decent conference. I don't know. It's just like tough to think. Like, it's been a while since a Pac-12 team has been in the uh, college football playoff, but I mean, I think Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do not think they're a legit college football playoff contender. But, like, right now, they're, they're in that position. I think eventually, like, Clemson is a team who finds himself and moves ahead of Oregon. I think Oregon has to run the table, basically, in the Pac-12, which I don't think they, have, like, do. Obviously, they had a great showing in, uh, in Columbus. But, yeah, no, I don't think Oregon – keeps this up and like runs the table in the Pac-12 even though they did look really good but not I don't I don't think they uh are capable of doing that yeah I kind of agree with you I don't know like listen they're good and honestly they weren't missing their two best players on the defensive side of the ball I can't think of the other kid's name but uh Kevon Thibodeau did not play in this game which is kind of remarkable uh Mario Cristobal their head coach there doesn't get enough credit he's done a great job uh one thing I will say though is I picked USC to win the Pac-12. I will completely take back on that right now. I will go, like, Oregon will win the Pac-12, you ask me. My biggest thing is, like, yeah, I think they might just slip up a game. I don't think it's going to be this week against FCS Stony Brook. But I think, like, um, there's a t- like I know they play UCLA, who's been sneaky good this year. Uh, like, obviously, Utah's always a good team in the Pac-12. Cal, too. Washington, I don't know if they're even considered good at this point. They've had a tough start to the year. So, yeah. I don't know. That scares me a little bit. But again, the way that they played this past Saturday, I think you could argue in a sense that like that was a playoff-esque performance. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I I think they got to just sell me a little bit more. Like, can can this be sustainable and stuff like that? Because I mean, right now they put themselves in a perfect position that if they run the table and go undefeated, they are in because they have a good signature win. Even if they lose, were to lose one game, they're in a very good position again because now they're 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 ahead of Ohio State. Ohio State can't pass them unless, like, who like who do you think is more deserving to get into the college football playoffs? If Ohio State has one loss but and wins the Big Ten, or if Oregon has two losses but wins the Pac-12? Oh yeah, I mean obviously they're ahead of uh, Ohio State. I I, I think I, I don't know. It's a little confusing. I think. I think Clemson eventually does find themselves with only one loss. I think they would get in over Oregon. I think Ohio State has regressed a little bit this year, obviously with C.J. Stroud, who had 484 passing yards, but 
I don't know. They did struggle a little against Minnesota, and like I thought they would cover Oregon in this game, and they just lost the game. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Oregon obviously could run the table, and I mean, even if they lose one game, they still could get in. I think this year is going to be a little more interesting than 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 previous years. So I mean, I think it happened. I mean, I'm curious to see what happens, and I think or I do think Oregon. Actually, not. I don't know. I think Oregon obviously can run like run the table, but I don't know. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, listen, like you kind of mentioned. I mean, this year's pro- has been like a great, like a crazy, crazy year, especially because now, I mean, you have two Ohio State moves down to nine, so you, you've had Oregon play Ohio State. Obviously, now you've had Georgia play Clemson last week. Even Iowa, Iowa State. I mean, those are two top ten teams squaring off too. So a lot of like matchups at the top a lot of change-ups I think this is good for college football again other programs getting some light uh two other top 10 teams that narrowly uh like they squeezed out victories this past week Notre Dame uh against Toledo almost lost that game I know they were going back and forth with quarterbacks but Jack Cohn ultimately goes to the sideline he bought puts his finger back into place and uh, ends up winning the game for them. So that was huge. Uh, like I said, I'm not like a huge Notre Dame guy, but honestly, I, I just lo- like, I like a lot of their guys on the team. I like that safety Kyle Hamilton. Obviously I, lo- I love their running back, Kyron Williams and Cone. Uh, again, I think he's going to like, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to hold down the starting job. I can't think of the other quarterbacks name there. He's like, it was a high recruit though. But um, yeah, I think Notre Dame again, like, a little worrisome in that fact. I know the committee moved them down a couple spots because, I mean, they barely squeezed out a Florida State team uh, that got lost the next week to Jacksonville State and then Toledo, a MAC team. Like, you know what I mean? I think that they have a lot of talent, but again, maybe not like two games that are a little uninspiring when it looks to the college football committee. So uh, they got to get hot uh, and start getting more uh, like bigger wins. You know what I mean? More comfortable wins. And Texas A&M too, did move down a couple spots. They barely beat Colorado. They lost their quarterback, Haynes King. So he's out for, I believe, like at least a month. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's back for that game against Alabama. I know Isaiah Spiller, their running back, caught a late touchdown to kind of win them that game. But, yeah, I thought Texas A&M could give Bama a run for their money in the SEC West maybe because if they beat that game, that head-to-head game in Texas A&M. But now with their backup quarterback, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I think he kind of – he had a – couple big plays again i can't think of his name off the top of my head late in that game to keep them alive he was kind of battling so i'll give him hats off to that maybe with a couple weeks again with the starters and stuff like that uh potentially but uh it can improve but again that was whatever whatever the case is texas a&m could not afford to lose that game they didn't they squeezed it out so i guess you got to tip your cap to them in that sense yeah i mean i don't know how the committee works that but like i just think like a win is a win like I know. I mean, Notre Dame was playing a, a MAC team in Toledo, and they squeeze out that win. Obviously, it does not look good that Florida State got upset by Jacksonville State, also. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're two and zero right now. Like, if they go into AC, like I think, oh no, they're independent. But like, they go out and go beat some some decent teams. Like, they shouldn't be held against. Like, nothing should be held them against them for barely squeezing by those teams because a win is a win. And obviously, both those teams, Texas A and M, and um, Notre Dame found a way to get the wins here, but I mean, yeah, I know you're you're high on Texas A&M. I mean, I just think Bama. I I don't think they're gonna beat Bama. I mean, I think it could be a good game in Texas A&M. Obviously, a loud crowd, but yeah, I just think Bama superior in the SEC right now. Um, and yeah, but both those teams, uh, Notre Dame and Texas A&M, squeezing out victories. 
and I expect them to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame has a good offense. Like their their offense has been scoring points. It's been like Kyle Hamilton, obviously a really good uh, safety, but their defense has been giving up points. But I expect Notre Dame to continue to win games, and I think uh, Texas A&M at the end of the day is still a top team in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned that like that game against Bama, and honestly, yeah, I agree with you. I think Bama again, just that other level. But if you ask Nick Saban, they only beat Mercer by like 34 points. So in Nick Saban's eyes, Bama looks horrible. You know what I mean? That's what I love about Saban. You know what I mean? He preaches excellence. He holds them to just a different standard uh, there. A couple other upsets that happened this past week. Iowa State uh, got dismantled by Iowa. Iowa moves up to number five in the poll. So, again, I love how these new programs – like, not new programs, but you know what I mean, the, how these programs are kind of getting uh, – more national recognition and stuff like that by the committee and stuff like that. I was had two big wins already early on in this year. Uh, Brock Purdy looked brutal again. I mean, 2019, he looked like a potential like day one quarterback prospect. You could say like, I know you are even reading some 2020 mock drafts and stuff like that. Oh, maybe Purdy has a nice year in 20 uh, uh, and comes into the draft and stuff like that. But uh, it just was, it wasn't it, man. He kind of has tailed off a little bit. Brees Hall, again, hasn't had the same success from this past year. So that was one. And then, core, your boys at Texas, man, they got welcomed to the – unofficially got welcomed to the SEC by Arkansas. That was ugly. Yeah, I mean, Texas, a team that just every year, I mean, they just – they they just can't – I don't know. They just – they find – they're like kind of like the Cowboys, but not really. I don't know. Like, they're just a talented team every year, like obviously ranked. And then – they just go and lay an egg, something like this. I mean, six-point favorites. Like, like Arkansas is not even a good team in the SEC, and they just went out and got blown out in Arkansas. I think Arkansas probably took this game personal, trying to welcome uh, a Big 12 team to the SEC. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, I was hoping um, they'd have a bounce-back game here after a, a close victory over Northern Iowa. But... I mean, Iowa, you got to give credit to Iowa here coming into um, Iowa State and winning this game, dominating. I mean, Brock Purdy, three picks. Obviously, like you said, his, his draft stock probably falling a little bit right now. Brees Hall, another guy who, uh, like, dominated the last year or two on the on the ground, and it just hasn't been the same so far for this Cyclones offense and team. But I think Matt Campbell, obviously, one of the best coaches in, uh, in the country. I'm hoping he could um, – Come up with a new game plan. Um, like, look over some stuff and uh, get this team back to uh, to potentially just being like a really good team in the Big Twelve. Obviously, their um, preseason were like a top two, top three team in the in the Big Twelve. So, yeah, I'm hoping they can get back to that. Yeah, tough weekend in that sense for the Big 12 with Texas and Iowa State going down. I know Iowa State was my pick to win the Big 12. Definitely looks a little scary. That's it's not saying Oklahoma looks great, but again, Iowa State definitely a little cause for concern. You mentioned Matt Campbell, one of the best coaches in the country. I'm sure Matt Campbell will be on one of the list for USC's potential new head coach because Clay Helton was fired there after they got blown out by Stanford. Uh, I think the biggest thing, obviously, with USC is they have to bring in a guy who can recruit in California. I know. Uh, I heard this like absurd thing if you really think about that. Uh, five quarterbacks: it's uh, DJ Ugalele, um, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, CJ Stroud, and oh, uh, there's one other quarterback that I'm blanking on. It's again, he's like one of the it, these guys were like the cream of the crop again. Who 
or California. Oh, JT Daniels. That's the other one at Georgia. I mean, he was even at USC. You know what I mean? Like these guys are all guys who are from Southern California who should be at USC because USC has, I mean, maybe a little tailed off a little bit in the last like five years or so, but a premier college football program to play. You have to bring those kids in and you like, they have to stay home. You know what I mean? You can't let those, these guys go all over the country. So I think that's very important for them. I think Matt Campbell will be on the short list. Uh, Luke Fickle too, the head coach at Cincinnati, he's done a great job there these past couple of years. I think he will also be in consideration. I know Eric Bieniemy, uh, the offensive coordinator on the Chiefs, has also been talked about possibly going there. I don't necessarily know about that. Um, I think maybe he should try to stay for an NFL job. I know he's been saying that he, um, like, he's a little frustrated with how that search is going, which is fair. I think he should be a head coach already in the NFL. And Urban Meyer is the big wild card. Urban Meyer, I think, uh, was kind of lying to the media today about how he's like completely bought into the uh, Jaguars and stuff like that. But similar to Saban, how he was only in the NFL for one year, I could definitely see at the end of the season, if USC kind of prolongs this head coaching search, which I don't think they'll end up ultimately hiring a coach until after the year. I think it will get real interesting. If Urban Meyer has a tough year in Jacksonville, I think it might, he might just try to get out of the NFL early and be like, that way it's not like completely like, Oh, Urban Meyer failed in the NFL. It's more of just like, eh, he didn't really stick it out long enough. So I think Urban Meyer is a real possibility for USC. And I think if the USC job was open before Jacksonville, I think there's a real chance that he would have taken the USC job. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer, obviously a college uh, coach. I mean, his whole career. I think, um, yeah, he obviously picked the Jaguars before this uh, USC job was open. But I think, yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer, obviously, 0-1 in his NFL debut. I mean, NFL career so far, but yeah, I mean, USC, like you said, like there's a lot of talent that comes out of uh, Southern California. And I mean, USC has not really produced, like no, like all those guys you named, JT Daniels, DJ Ugalele, CJ Shad, like none of them chose. I mean, JT Daniels obviously there for like a year, but most of those guys did not succeed or stay with um, or attend USC, which kind of is a problem, especially... I mean, like you said, yeah, like a few years ago, I think it's more than a few years ago, honestly. I'm, I'm going to go back to like when like Mark Sanchez was at USC. I mean, like they were Pete like a Carroll, top, yeah. Yeah, no, they were a top, uh, a top program in the country and they've kind of fell off a little bit. Still like a team that should be able to, to get it, to get like some good four or five star recruits. But I don't know, it just hasn't been, uh, hasn't been the case. They haven't gotten that uh, local talent and yeah, I mean, Helton gone now, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure who's going to be able to fill the void, but curious to see who it is. Yeah, me too as well. I think it'll be uh, definitely, again, one of the most coveted college jobs that has come up. But uh, one last thing that I want to just mention real quick, uh, you mentioned I am a homer a little bit. Texas did lose for you, so that's a little tough. But my guys in Michigan, they looked great this past weekend. They ran the ball awesome against Washington. Uh, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins both ran for over 150 yards. Blake Corum, by the way, is just unbelievable. It's only a sophomore year. I think he's one of the best backs in college football. Uh, Ohio State loses. Michigan wins, Cork. Michigan making a little noise in the Big Ten. Who knows? They moved finally into the rankings at number 25. I think this – I mean, Washington, I just think – Again, off to a very tough start this season. But, yeah, I think Michigan, uh, who knows if they can make a little play. I think if Ohio State maybe uh, keeps slipping up and stuff like this, you know what I mean? They're a little vulnerable. Michigan, they could maybe finally be the year. But I'm not going to get too happy because uh, every time Michigan seems to drag you back in, they just lay an egg and they'll get blown out by 
like Indiana. I don't know. I feel like a Maryland. I, I hope not. Or or they'll lose like Michigan State. So uh, that'd be pretty disappointing. Oh yeah, I mean Michigan obviously looked good in this game. I liked Michigan minus seven against Washington, but yeah, no, nah, I think it's kind of a little better in uh, the state where team. I know the Big Ten's obviously better than the ACC, but obviously like Ohio State is one and one, and Clemson is also one and one. That's like unfamiliar territory for these teams. Both teams really used to being like pretty much running the table for uh, the regular season. But, yeah, I think it's good that, like, now other teams like Michigan in the Big Ten, like Big Ten, I mean, like Michigan in the Big Ten, Penn State in the Big Ten. Obviously, uh, I mean, no one's really doing that good in the uh, in the ACC. So, but other teams do have opportunities when they see um, Clemson go down. I think it's good that other teams uh, maybe gain some confidence, see – that Clemson and Ohio State are not as good. I mean, it's early, but, like, so far, like, they do not look as good as they have previously in, like, the last three years. Like, those teams are just dominant. So I think that's good to see that maybe we have a little more competition at the top of those conferences. Yeah, a little bit, a little vulnerable almost, in a sense. Uh, we're going to bring it to our game picks. We only got two this week. We're picking um, both of the top 25 matchups. I guess we'll start first with Alabama, still number one in the country, 14 and a half point favorites against number 11, Florida. Florida obviously has lost a lot of guys from uh, the previous year, but let me tell you about something with Florida. I, I'm going to go with Alabama here, and it's solely because if Emory Jones is their starting quarterback, um, it's kind of been like back and forth between Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Core Anthony Richardson, um, this kid is unbelievable. A last game against who they play? They played Central Florida, right? This guy is three for three with 152 yards and two touchdowns in the air. On the ground, four carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. He ran week one for 167 yards and a touch or 160 yards and a touchdown on only seven carries. I mean, the guy's an explosive athlete. He's like six four two. Uh, freshman there, quarterback, you know what I mean? Definitely, if you ask me, the future there. Uh, his hands, like, I'm not going to say he's like banged up a little bit. Uh, Dan Mullen said he's all right. But, I don't know, Emory Jones, I know he was like the backup last year, too. He hasn't looked great this year. He's done four interceptions this year. Get Anthony Richardson in the game. I'm still going to go with Bama, but, I mean, that, you talk about a guy who can make uh, cause Nick Saban fits. I mean, this game's in Florida, too. Who knows, man? But, like I said, get that guy Anthony Richardson on the field. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson. Richardson, obviously, 11 carries for 275 yards is is pretty crazy so far. But yeah, I'm honestly, I, I you just I can't fade Alabama at all. Whatever the spread is, I've just learned like at this point, like until they lose or don't cover the spread, I'll go get, like I'm just gonna take Alabama. So I'll take Alabama minus 14 and a half here in Gainesville to uh, get the win. Yeah, listen, like I said, I think it comes down to. Uh, who will be officially starting at quarterback. I'm hoping it's Richardson. I hope Richardson honestly can give – I hope this is a close game. You know what I mean? I love watching those close games, especially an SEC battle there. So I hope Richardson's at quarterback and it gives it a close game. Finally, the night game, to number 22 Auburn, a team that, again, uh, is getting a little bit of love in the beginning of the season, a team that uh, really under Bo Nix – uh, last year was awful. 2019, they were actually sneaky, very good. Playing number 10 Penn State is at a good start to the season. Penn State is five-point favorites here. I don't think it matters. This is the whiteout game this year for Penn State, too, which uh, obviously those viral videos you have against like of them against Michigan with that uh, like fall, you know, the timeout that they had to call before it even started. So obviously, you know, uh, 
that stadium is going to be going crazy. So I'm going to go with Penn State there. Uh, again, I just don't love Bo Nix in a big game. Give me Sean Clifford. Give me um, James Franklin uh, and his game plan uh, for Penn State. Yeah, I think in a game like this, two uh, two decent teams to start off the season. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the that Penn State home crowd is gonna be electric, like you said, the whiteout game. So yeah, I'll take Penn State minus five here. I think um, I have not been high on Bo Nix in uh, the past two years, but I mean he's looked good to start the season, but I don't think he comes into uh, Happy Valley and gets a win. So I'll take Penn State minus five in this one. Yeah. And I'm loving how, again, I think I should be a little nervous that we are so in agreement on things. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, like we said, we kind of recapped NFL week one, give you what we think, some of our reactions. And for week two, obviously, give our predictions, stuff like that. And, of course, we had to still talk about our college football. College football, too, conference games, permanent conference games are starting to come up again. Uh, as, obviously, the season goes on, these teams are starting to finish their out-of-conference games and stuff like that. Core, anything else you want to leave off with? No, nah, not really. Just um, looking forward to another week of football, NFL, and college. Should be uh, some good games ahead. And, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.